And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Greg Strawbridge. He's senior pastor of All Saints Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Greg, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I um, found you online, and um, a friend of mine knew you and uh, shared with me your uh, email address, and we got in touch. And right up front, I want to say for our listeners' sake, your situation there, uh, you just had some people come in. Things are very hectic in the house. So I want to thank you so very much for agreeing to this interview at this time. Today, let's talk about a couple of things related to worship of God's people. First of all, I noticed that it appears that your family and even your church seems to have a strong interest in fine music being used in the worship of God. And can you share with our listeners some of your vision as a pastor for the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ and having good music used in the service? Yes. So let me give you a word of background on that. So I was a musician from the time I was in the fifth grade, uh, playing brass instruments through high school, and then got really into guitar. And then I went off and studied music, got an undergraduate degree in music education, and my instrument was classical guitar. Then I ended up teaching guitar on the college level for seven years. So three of those were at Columbia, what's called now Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. And during those days, of course, there was a transition happening in the church to using contemporary Christian music, praise courses, if you will. And I was part of that a bit. I did blended worship in almost every church, but I got involved in a Bible church for 10 years down south. I just visited there on Sunday. And we had a heart for Reformation. We had a heart for going to the Word of God and therefore to the Psalms. So we developed all these approaches to worship that were focused on just singing Psalms and, you know, putting them into the service, to guide the service. And so I did that for a long time. And then I, <laughs> part of my story is I got converted to the, uh, if you will, the Presbyterian or the Reformed view of the sacraments, infant baptism and such. And so I left that church for the Presbyterian Church in America, still involved in blended worship. But during that time, I got exposed to some more rich, I'd say, worship thoughts. Um, and that's, that foundation was so, so for example, men like uh, Douglas Wilson, uh, Peter Lightheart, James Jordan, that had been thinking about worship quite a bit and how it needed to be both reverent and joyful and be very much grounded in the Word of God and the Psalms, and even the pattern of worship, um, that there's a biblical pattern to worship. Now, style of worship can vary across country and languages and so forth, but the pattern of worship, I think, is biblically taught. You call to worship, you come before God's presence, acknowledging Him, you confess your sins, you hear the forgiveness of the gospel, you consecrate yourself with prayer, uh, scripture, and so forth, you praise, and then you um, present yourselves before uh, Him with tribute, which is the offertory, basically, the work of your hands that you bring before Him, and then you come to His table. And then you are dismissed. You're commissioned to go forth and worship. I can defend that from the Bible, and I believe that that's the proper structure. To incarnate that, again, I think you every situation can be a little different. What we have ended up at All Saints doing is 
I came in, we had a fairly high worship service. It was basically a worship service constructed by one R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul at St. Paul Prez in Orlando had created what he considered the, the ordinary, traditional, high Presbyterian service, which had weekly communion. And that's what we started with, and we moved a little bit more toward um, the Anglican Reformed model, so it's a little bit of um, Book of Common Prayer. So as far as music goes, we uh, had a, there was a revolution. There's a Copernican revolution that happened in music. Do you know what it was? It happened in 2000. It happened in 2002. No, I don't. <clears throat> You're familiar with the Copernican Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even that. <laughs> well, just like a radical shift in people's worldview. A Copernican Revolution happened in hymnody when Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho, Pastor Doug Wilson, and a guy named Duck Schuler, who was a chief musician at the time, published a hymnal called the Cantus Christi. This hymnal had a number of psalm selections in it, it had the hymns you might expect. It had some deeper um, hymns out of, especially like the Lutheran tradition. This hymnal is a standard-looking hymnal. You will notice that it does not have any gospel songs in it. There's no Fanny Crosby. There's no I Am Designed No Longer. There's none of that. None of those right. sort of revivalistic songs. And what it does do is it recovers... Sorry, uh, my neighbor just drove by there. It recovers music that they were singing in Geneva, hmm. music that they were singing in the first generation of the Lutherans. And that music does not sound like traditional music. It is funky. It is syncopated. <laughs> and once you, once you get a hold of it, like I said, Copernican Revolution. Let me yes. give you one example, if I might. Yeah. I realize singing here is not going to be so great, but the traditional hymnody in terms of a mighty fortress, a mighty fortress of course, written by Luther, based on Psalm 46. Right. It's in every, every hymnal, uh, that I know of, at least, in, current, in the current world, for, for many years. And the version goes like this. A mighty fortress is our God. Everything's straight right. and on the beat. That's not how Luther sang it. <laughs> you can listen to Heinrich Schutz's version of it on our website, allsaints-church.com. Go to music, scroll down. You'll find it. You can hear what it sounds like. The original version said it like this. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper. Now, the singing of that, we're actually going to sing it this Sunday. The singing of that, once you get it, once you kind of break out of your shackles of, uh, <laughs> of you know, the common practice period is what they call that, 1600 to 1900 music. Once you go before 1600 and you sing what they were singing in Geneva, you can understand why Queen Elizabeth called them Geneva jigs. Oh, that's interesting. they are dance-like music. And it's powerful. It, it calls you to battle. It calls you into engagement. Now, that's not the only thing we do. But essentially, I refuse to sing the traditional version of a mighty fortress. <laughs> yeah, once you got used to I, that, I, yeah. I, I, I never plan to do that one. I mean, I if I'm in somebody else's church, I don't mind. I will sing it, but sure. I feel like you're missing something. I feel like that would be ordering a Ruth's Chris steak well done. That's wrong. <laughs> no, I, I, I just went to your website here. It's allsaints-church.com slash music. And what I like about this particular page is that 
there's three squares. There's um, psalms plus hymns that you were just mentioning. There's also the Pentecost hymnal in PDF form. That's a collection that we put together of, of some yeah. newer stuff. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I, I went there first before, you know, before talking with you today. And then on the right of that is Prepare for Worship, this Sunday's music. So I'm kind of assuming that you, you've got this prepared for the people of God coming to church on the Lord's Day, that they can kind of prepare their hearts and, and get ready for this marvelous worship service uh, with God's people. Well, that's the idea. Now, if anybody's listening out there that's a pastor that wants to be able to do this, I will freely share with you the code. We have an Excel spreadsheet that we upload to our website, and everything is generated from that. Wow. The selections go all the way back to 2006. And what's generated on a long list of hymns and psalms there is actually what is in the database from 2006. That's really neat. And, oh. Yeah, and, and it has a PDF of the hymn, you know, four-part hymn, as well as an MP3 of it. Yeah. You can hear it and listen to it. So I take it as as your church worships Christ uh, in the music, um, it's... Um, People don't fall asleep during that time. <laughs> uh, they don't fall asleep during the music, no. And <laughs> I'll, I'll say, as we've all gone through quite a time here in our day, I will say this, that when we came back to worship after being away with, you know, a canceling yes. service and trying to figure out what's going on and doing it online. And That's right. We did, we did worship in the, in the graveyard the parking lot we really every week we reinvented worship um that's that's tiring isn't it (laughs) oh it's it's incredibly i know it was for our pastor yeah our pastor and elders there was a lot behind the scenes going on many more meetings trying to orchestrate things uh trying to trying to meet the demands which were overly exhausting from our state governor you know and and our tyrant, basically, and it, it was just exhausting, all of this. Yes, you're in New York? Yes, we are. Okay, well, we have at least as bad of a situation in Pennsylvania. Wow. And I think what's happened is, thankfully, in Lancaster County, PA, we're pretty much conservative, and we end up voting kind of Republican every year. Mm-hmm. Not that I care about the politics, but just as a matter of fact, so... What happened is the DA of Lancaster County said about two, three months into this, so roughly beginning of April, May, somewhere around there, she put it on the front page of the paper. We will not be enforcing the governor's mandates. Oh, because wow. they are X, Y, and Z not enforceable. Yes. You know, it's not clear what they are. Are they recommendations? You know, what are they? And so when she did that, she essentially said, if you want to go back to worship, Go back to worship. You're not going to be cited. Nobody's going to harass you. That's great. And so, well, I know. And we had called the police department in our area and said, now, what will happen if we do this? We're just trying to get a feel for it. That's right. And they didn't know. We called five times over the weeks around Easter because we wanted to have an Easter service in person of some sort. We also wanted to be safe. I think now we know a lot more about the virus than we did then. But at the time, it was like, we want to be safe. How can we do it safely? And what will we do? And we got five different answers the five times we called, we got the answer of "Don't do it." We got the answer of "Just don't do it." Yeah. Anyway, so but finally the DA came out and said this. So then we said, "Okay, I think we can go back to worship with we'll space. 
we'll do a few things different and all that. Well, I can tell you, the first time we came back to worship, every time we've been, every single Sunday, it has been a, we have raised the roof in terms of the volume of singing, <laughs> in terms of the excitement. And the first, the, the first Sunday, let me just give you a little anecdote here. The first Sunday, our organist, um, she just turned up the organ like a thousand decibels. <laughs> I don't know how loud it was, but I mean, she just played so loud and it just made everybody go, yeah, yeah, we're singing. <laughs> so, so I have my, my good friend, uh, Pastor Yuri Brito down in Oh, we know him. Nicolette. Oh, yes. Yeah, Providence Church. Yuri did a conference talk recently, and he said, our main evangelism program is singing loudly. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that neat? Yes. And, and, I, and I said, okay, I'm taking you on, my friend. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to measure this thing out, and we're going to win this. We're going to win this contest. Yes. And so we, you know, we haven't actually done a contest. But, yeah. but I told everyone, I said, listen, we, we need to sing it out loud, you know. Sing to the power of the Lord comes down. We need to sing it out loud. And everybody's like, amen, and they've done it. And it's just fantastic, you know? <laughs> well, I think this and, is and wonderful. Course, this is wonderful. Of course, you, go ahead. Well, I, just, I want to say that, of course, the volume does not make you truly worship. But right. it provides a good occasion to remind you of the tremendous truths that it is not just a little congregation of 200 people in Lancaster, PA, singing. The heavens declare the glory of God. Amen. We say every week when we come to the Lord's Supper, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name. I believe that. I believe yeah. that we're connected to heaven. I believe there's a great cloud of witnesses. Have I you don't ever... know about you, but I mean, that's what I believe. I, I, don't need a, I don't need a rock. I play rock guitar. I can jam out. That's what I've been doing for all my life. I can play Ozzy Osbourne. I can play Leonard Skinner. I can do the rock band thing, but I don't need a rock band. I need to connect heaven and earth by mm. singing the psalms of God. Yeah, for worship that is. Now, if you come to a fellowship meal, you will see a lot more fun stuff going on <laughs> afterwards too. Now, uh, there's so many directions we could go with this. Um, people singing, uh, they're singing strongly, and presumably the the delivery of God's word takes place. Um, the sacrament is served, people participate, um, then they go out, and they basically act out further all the good stuff they've been chewing on in their souls in the worship service. And um, uh, it seems that people long for... Um, we're in a war. I mean, I mean, these are the these are the war songs of 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 Christ's disciples as they go forward with the Great Commission. Um, should people be encouraged? Because right now in America, things are looking terribly black. You know, very down, very depressing. Why should people be encouraged as they go out of the worship service? Well, the service, as I mentioned, has a fivefold structure, basically, call, confession, consecration, communion, and commission. So if you look, if you just walk through all those for a second, just give a simple application. Um, if you're really worshiping, when you're called to worship, you acknowledge the presence of God. That would mean after Sunday, every day, frequently, you acknowledge God's presence in your life. God, you appear before God, body and soul, in your morning prayers, and so forth. 
if you are really able to confess your sins and receive forgiveness, then what does Jesus say? The verse after the Lord's Prayer. If you have been forgiven, forgive others. And if you have not forgiven others, neither will the Heavenly Father forgive you. That's the verse after the Lord's Prayer, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Four, that's the next word. If you do not forgive men their transgressions, mm. neither will the Heavenly Father forgive you. So if you've really confessed your sin, you really received forgiveness, then you need to forgive other people. Their trespasses against you. Isn't that what the very Lord's Prayer says? Mm. So confession means that you should be practicing a life of reconciliation. Unfortunately, that is a huge issue. It is. For people, I, I can tell you lots of stories about that. I've got a little booklet on it. If you want to follow it up, you can go to wordedg3.com and look at steps toward healing relationships. So uh, that, your uh, audio dropped off a little bit, so that's wordmp3.com. Wordmp3.com, and just search on healing uh, steps to healing relationships, hmm. and you'll see various versions of it in sermons. But it is a free, it is a free um, booklet, PDF you can download, as well as a printed version. Nice. Anyway, so confession would mean that you also forgive. In, the, in your ordinary life. Then consecration. Well, what is consecration? A lot, of, a lot of evangelicals focus on this. They say, well, I do my daily quiet time, and I pray, I read the Bible, I do Bible study. That's all great. Um, and so, but this is, they, they, they forget the other parts, right? They forget the other aspects of it. <laughs> and so they only focus on a devotional thought. Well, I, I'm for devotional thoughts. That is not at all the whole of the Bible's teaching about our relationship with God. We mm-hmm. are also to have dominion in the world. There's more to it than that. We'll get to that in a second. Then, then communion. Um, that's the, if you will, the third, uh, the fourth C. Yep. Communion is coming to the table of the Lord. Well, so if God invites you graciously to his table, what should you do in your home? How should you, how should you respond to that in your ordinary meals? We say it like this. God has invited us to the great table, the table that connects us to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the table that is eschatological in nature, mm-hmm. with Christ's presence. Therefore, you should respond by showing hospitality, by being right, you know, having an open home. And if you really want to influence people, just do what we've been. Well, we've been doing a couple of different things. Just about every Sunday, we have people in our home after church. But Tuesdays, for a long time now, we've been doing Taco Tuesday. So if I see someone, oh, yeah, we should get together, I say, hey, Tuesday at 6 o'clock, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> you know? and That's neat. It's, yeah, and it's been a tremendous, and I can't tell you, the people I've had around my table, I've had a Russian guy that uh, <laughs> is Orthodox. I've yeah. had, you know, people traveling from out of town that we didn't know at all. We've had people that were just random people. Seriously, random people, as well as a lot of friends and, That's and great. people that we know. So many things that happen. But in other, in other words, if God serves you at the table and you're undeserving, you know that people in your life are more deserving than you are before God. That's a good so therefore, point. Argument from, if you will, the greater to the lesser. And finally, the commission. The commission is go forth and do this in the kingdom. So the way I do this on Sunday morning. Typical Sunday morning. Let's suppose I preach. In fact, I'm preaching on Philemon. Uh, Philemon was a slaveholder. He had a runaway slave. Paul saw him converted. He sends him back to Philemon and says, receive him as a brother, which is code for saying, give him his freedom. Mm. Receive him as a brother. Treat him as a brother. 
therefore make make plans for him to be a freedman ASAP. That's neat. And if he's owes you anything, Paul says, charge it to my account, mm. right? Because because without the apostle Paul, Philemon would go to hell. That's so right. Paul says, you know, if you owe me anything, if he owes you anything, just charge it to my account. It's <laughs> such a beautiful, beautiful word, but it also sows the seeds for the destruction of slavery, right? Because if, yes. what if everybody becomes a believer in the world? Well, you can't treat people that are in Christ as slaves. No. You know, but, but there's a lot, I'm not going to I can say a lot about that. Anyway, listen to Philemon online there. But we're sent out. So I preached on Philemon, so I said at the end of the service, God is sending us out to be those who bring about reconciliation in the world and who are mindful of the fact that if you are free, you are God's slave. Mm. And if you are a slave, you are free before God. Mm. This is exactly what Paul says in First Corinthians 7. That's almost a direct paraphrase, <laughs> direct statement. Yeah. So that's a commission. Like, in other words, I'm saying, this week, here's your mission. Focus on this. And, you know, it varies, of course, according to the text. I usually try to bring in a sermonic point just at the end to say, instead of doing an altar call, I'm not saying an altar call, come forward. I'm saying go out. <laughs> I don't know what that would be called. Yeah, it's a amen. reverse altar call. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, we got maybe two minutes left. This time has gone really fast, and today we're talking with Dr. Greg Strawbridge. He is pastor of All Saints Church in Lancaster. And uh, just wrap it up, uh, the final thought, how should people feel towards this world with respect to the gospel and God spreading his his gospel to others? Well, let me just say it in the words of the most recent, uh, probably well-known, most well-known artist in the world, really, Kanye West. Jesus is king. If Jesus is king, then that means everything is under his dominion, and he gives us co-regency with him as a kingdom of priests, as priests and kings hmm. in his gospel reign. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, we go command people to we don't say jump and all that. What it means is we apply the gospel in the world by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. That's key. And as we do so, as we do so, things do change. Yes. If we talk to, I was just talking to one of my old friends whose wife just died down in the deep south, and it's a very sad story, but they, she lived a long and wonderful life. But this man wants to disciple people, and he discipled me when I was a college student, mm. very much. I, I know many verses in the Bible because of him. Well, he said, he said, I just want to, and he's been very successful in his business, by the way. He said, I'm going to take my stake out of the business, and I'm just going to do full-time discipleship and mentorship. Hmm. And I'm like, well, that's, you're called to that. I can believe you're called to do that, because that's what you do with me and a bunch of other people I know. And then he was talking, and it came up. My wife said, well, don't you, didn't you have a dog? And he said, yeah, you know, actually, there's this couple for 15 years, every Sunday morning, at 7.30, every other week, they come and sit on our back porch and have coffee with us, and mm. they're unbelievers. And finally, after 15 years, we started to talk about my wife's death, yes. and I recited to them the Heidelberg Catechism, question one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in both life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who has fully paid for all my sins and set me free from all the power of the devil, and so watches over me that not a hair can fall from my head apart from the will of my heavenly Father. And by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me ready from here on, from now on, to live for him. And these people said, wow, I, I need to go back and study. I want to, can, can I get a copy of that? What can I, right? <laughs> so, That's beautiful. Don't you, don't you think the world will change for these people mm. through my friend's ministry? I think it will. That's right. I think that they will think God's drawing them in just like he drew me in and just like he drew you in and just like he draws everyone in regardless of the circumstances of our life. And as I've said before, I'm a big proponent of the post-millennial vision of the kingdom. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus wins. I believe the Great Commission is not a futile statement that Jesus just happened to make offhand, but he actually said, go disciple all the nations. I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. We need to get about that task. And I think that God will, well, Jesus' own words, lo, I'm with you always, even to the <laughs> first, well, first. That's right. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. But maybe there's some authority that he doesn't have. All authority has been given to me. Or yeah. maybe there's something above Jesus. Maybe Satan is over Jesus. No, all authority has been given to me on earth. Therefore, you can go and disciple the nations. And yeah. we, we have some, we've got some nation discipleship now to do in our own country, in America, as well as the rest of the world. Well, that's a beautiful summary, and I wish we could talk longer. We're out of time. Uh, praise Call the Lord. Uh, yeah, we, we look forward to it. Uh, today we're, we've been talking with Dr. Greg Strawbridge, Senior Pastor of All Saints Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and the church's website, allsaints-church.com. And there's a lot of good stuff there regarding music and also uh, this structure of worship that makes an awful lot of sense if you base it on the scriptures. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. God bless you. And you too. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus it is he. Lord Sabaoth his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle.